Sunday, April 5th, here on the coast of Brazil, with Hans Komein, this is Michael Sky. Welcome to Ronin Radio. Hello, everyone. So we have a young man in our, in our circle, I guess, who he's been inquiring lately, like, I invited him to a grand adventure to come to Brazil to, I told him I'd give him work. And so he's, he's 18 years old, just turned 18, never been out on his own. And he's still being, his, his father's still preparing, uh, providing for him, his rent, his school, his food, his everything. So he's dependent on his father for all of that. And, uh, he was very, you know, the coronavirus epidemic is going on. He's very excited about the idea of coming down, spending time with two of his mentors, being on the coast of Brazil, having a grand adventure, um, getting time away from school, learning to provide for himself. It's, uh, it's something that really lights him up. And uh, whenever we start talking about it, he gets, he gets really excited. But he's conflicted. Because as he was thinking of it, he would, because his parents wouldn't allow him to go, he would have to just somehow sneak his passport out of his house and take off without telling him. Mm. And he could imagine when he goes, you know, how pissed his parents are going to be. And when he goes back, you know, the conflict that's going to bring. And um, maybe maybe never going back, what he was thinking. Yeah, he mentioned, maybe I'd never go back. And yeah, it's obviously a conflict because I'm sure he, I, I guess he loves his parents and they've provided so much for him. And uh, I'm sure they would feel disrespected if he just up and left without talking to him and concerned for his safety and so on. So we got back on the phone last night and he mentioned that he'd talked to some men he respects and one of them said that you know anthony you're still really long young you haven't learned you haven't really learned to be responsible yet and so just running away um you know running from your problems like this isn't going to do you a lot of good in the long run you're going to have to learn responsibility and you know the the angle of sometimes we have to do what we don't feel like doing is part of growing up. It's part of becoming a man. And, uh, that, yeah. And I think the other guy encouraged him to talk with his father, which I a hundred percent agree with, you know, if, if it's your time to make your stand face that external authority who you fear Face them head on, make a stand for yourself powerfully so you can have honor, so you can have, so you can like usher in a new domain of your life, which is before I was afraid to confront him and really stand for myself. Now I've confronted him, this great authority, I've stood for myself, and now I'm walking in the world as someone who's, who's daring to face any external authority and stand for myself. It's a completely different reality you're living in once you do something like that. Um, so what I hear I'm going to ask is um, one could think that the stand to make is the one against authority and I'm going you know, no matter what and this is my stand I stand for myself and I'm going 
But what I hear in it is that the facing of that external external authority, which you want to make a stand against, or you know that that is more important to face that external authority that you've been uh, listening to, letting conduct your life. That that's an, a very important part of the of the making a stand. You face that authority and not just run away from it. Well, the question is if. He could be living in, if he doesn't face the authority, and it's not about being against the authority necessarily, but the world he's probably living in until he really faces that authority and assumes full responsibility for himself is if he goes along with authority, he doesn't view himself as fully a man yet mm -hmm. because he, he's not making his own way. He's not making his own choices. He's living in fear of he won't be supported, so he better do, do what the external authority wants. But it, and then he could also not face the authority and run away or mm -hmm. rebel. But still, he's reacting to his fear of mm -hmm. the disapproval or the punishment of the external authority. So in either way, he doesn't get a profound sense of honor and power um, because he hasn't faced that external authority. So the authority in his life is still that external right. authority. Even if he rebels against it and runs away from it. Yes. Which means he's not accepted his own inner authority. Yes. And for a, a young man to come into one's own authority, you need to, you need to face the, you know, the king that's been ruling your life or the tyrant or the whatever and say, now I got this. So the stance more than saying no to external authority is facing authority and then make a choice, which could be, which could be the same. As could be any choice. Could, could be, be any to choice. Keep walking the exact same path or to go a whole new way. But it's, it's your choice now. Yes. Mm. And until he does that, he's not going to have much access to honor. Mm -hmm. Honor being a felt sense of inner authority. So when he's walking out in the world, his head is held high. He's got that inner felt affirmation that he's on the right path, that he's, you know, he's not full of doubt and uh, stress and fear, at least nowhere to the degree that he would be if he was still knew on some level that he was hiding from or running from this greater authority. Mm. So that's a great inquiry. In itself, in fact, let me, uh, I'll share, I'll share a bit about, um, one of the ways that I did this. I was, I believe I was 20 and, you know, I'd already left home. I'd left university. I'd. But what I was still grappling with is a good, a righteous, honorable Mormon boy of my age would be on his two-year mission right now. And here I was, I'm enjoying life, I'm playing with entrepreneurial ideas, I'm, but in the back of my mind, like I've got this cloud hanging over me, this dark cloud. And also I know that the male authorities in my life, the male elders, grandfathers, uncles, fathers, like they all went on their missions. They all chose the righteous path and I'm the one who's not. So 
not only am, am I imagining that they feel shame about me, um, yeah, I'm kind of living in that world of shame, and I don't want to, I don't want to face the situation head on, because if I look in the mirror, if I really face myself and become conscious, I'll feel that shame. So what I want to do is avoid that and avoid that and avoid that and avoid that. Finally, there came a, a, a kind of a crisis point. Uh, my father had come to visit me and he said that, and that this is, you know, it's, it's what it is, is an honor crisis. And it doesn't matter if you're Mormon or not. Like this is a very real, I submit it's a very real thing. And, and and guys, men can suffer in this cloud of shame their entire life if they don't confront it and, and make their stand. And uh, my, so my father came. And you know, my father is, he's not like a, an authoritarian strongly judging, commanding voice, and, you know, he's much softer, you know, and he often really gets present to that sense of honor in himself. He would call it the Spirit or the Holy Spirit, right? And, um, and, like, he'd come to me and, and, and bear to me his testimony of the truth of the church, and he's feeling this because... In his world, as I've now come to stand honor, in the face of whatever he might have to face to confront his son who's not following in his footsteps and walking a, a disobedient <coughs> path, he's there standing for my eternal life. He's standing for my well-being, my eternal happiness. He's standing for being a witness to the truth of the church to heavenly father like does heavenly father exist and he's like yes he does he's your you know so the whole i came to understand this years later you know about about honor but um and when someone's really present to feeling honor it's like you really you really get there it's not a they're not against you you have a real sense that they're standing for you and they're standing for something greater and deeper. And uh, it really is a sense of spiritual authority, actually. Um, which, I, which I think many men who cast out were once religious or something. They cast out the church from their life. Or they cast religion out of their life. They often cast out the baby with the bathwater. And they're left with this sense of this cloud of shame hanging over them, if they didn't really face the conflict and choose powerfully, um, which is kind of an art form in itself to do, you know. But, um, for example, I have, I have cousins, and I've had some uncles who I knew they were kind of only half in and half out of the church in that medium range. Like the honor comes from making your stand and walking away or making your stand and staying true and being all the way in. 
it doesn't come from just being uh, undecided, half in and half out. Um, and that's where you get suffering and a loss of power. Mm. So, so when, after my dad had come to visit me and he told me that, he said, Michael, how you can know the church is true or not, you read the Book of Mormon, which is the account of, it's, it's what the Mormons believe, um, I guess like the first time perhaps that white people came to North America or to the Americas uh, and from, you know, from the Middle East. So they were uh, Jewish people. And uh, with faith in God and then started this whole new tribe, if you will, over here. And, and uh, it's a whole history of that people. And he said, what, you know, how you can know if, if, if the church is true is you read the Book of Mormon and then you pray to ask God if his church is true. And if you get this warmth in your chest, this sense of peace, and, um, it, and this very kind of affirmative feeling, then this is God saying, yes, it's true. What was say the question again that your father said? If as of yes, and and pray with a sincere heart, asking God, your Father in heaven, if His church or this church is true, and if the Book of Mormon is true, whatever, and if you and if you have this feeling in your heart, this sense of peace, this warmth, this expansion, this. You know what I, what I now call honor, and I, I look at it very like it's not owned by any one religion. Um, but for me at the time, my only relationship to this feeling was it's a it's a Mormon thing, or it's at least a spiritual thing. Were you at that point when he asked that question, and he talked about God? Did that make sense at that point to you? Like, did say, oh, ask God if this is real? Was that question like... Here, and here was my part of my dilemma, is if I, if I really think clearly about this, I could feel fear of God's judgment. I could feel guilty about questioning and doubting the church, clearly doubting. It's one thing to have this vague doubt and questioning, but if you verbalize it out of your mouth, or even as a, like a verbal, clear thought in your head, um... Mormons at least can really feel a sense of guilt about that and a, and a, a loss of power and this almost like you're betraying this heavenly father and and Jesus and but at, at the time you were still thinking within say the religious framework that for you a question like ask God if his church is real that that seems like a meaningful quest or well meaningful... I had issues with it uh-huh. I had issues with it because I reasoned to myself, and I and I talked. I had a roommate at the time, and I talked this out with him, and he was an atheist, and and I'm really grateful to him actually because he just spoke some some of these things out very clearly, like, um, and I don't remember how much of it was his thinking and how much of it was my own, but it's the idea that well, if you grew up Catholic and praying to a Catholic God, and going to a Catholic church, and being saved by a Catholic God, and, and all of these things, and this Catholic God is answering your prayers and all this. Um, 
you're gonna believe that it's true. And yes. and here's what I really came to distinguish about the feeling that if I pray asking this question mm. and I'm thinking affirmatively of it, I'm gonna feel good because yes. I'm being loyal to this God who's yes. been loyal to me. It's acceptance first before before inquiry. That's why I'm asking wondering about that question that your father said. Because if he would ask that to me, I would I would not know what to do with it. Because I am not accepting the religious framework. Yes. So that's interesting. But so so, so and if I am praying and I'm asking that question, and I and I and I entertain some doubtful thoughts, I think about what if it's uh -huh. not true, or maybe it's not, or something. I'm going to start to feel quite naturally more weak. Yes. Um, self doubting, a sense of guilt, even. And this is very distinguishable feelings, and especially inside of the Mormon religion where we've really been, I don't know about trained, but learned to attune to this feeling inside because we, we relate to it as like the Holy Spirit. Like this is in a way, this is God's um, yes. teacher or messenger or guide, and, and it's, it brings this feeling inside of your heart. And, and Mormons guide themselves by this feeling. And, and in that sense, it's great. It's great, you know, and, and in a, a vast amount of cases, it's a great, it's an incredible guide, you know. So what um, happened when your father said that? Did you do it? So some time passed, and then this, but this cloud is even more like I... So you didn't do what your father said? Well, hang on, hang on. So immediately, no. And so I didn't. But it's still, I'm still every day waking up to that question and that, uh -huh. whatever. The conflict's more real for me now. So my world I'm living in, there's more clouds, gray clouds in the sky. And it's more clear that like, I'm kind of going down the wrong path. And the, the right path is over here. And, and, and I like, and to me it's, and I'm starting to verbalize these things to my roommate, stuff like this. And uh, it, that's, so what's one of the things that doesn't make sense to me is that test. Because I reason if I grow up Hindu or Catholic or Jewish or Muslim or whatever, exactly. and I pray in the kind of in the affirmative, I'm going to feel this warm feeling inside. And if I if I pray in the in the in, if, if I entertain the doubt, I'm going to feel bad inside. Yeah, uh, two things. It's like Ricky Gervais said. Isn't it funny that 99% of us are born into the right religion? You know that should give us a clue. But maybe for people listening. I think it would be interesting to tell very shortly what made you go on that path that is in the Mormon church, the, the, the bad path, you know, and then have you shame. What made you go down that path that you're on now, you know? Even yeah, that's where I'm coming to. Okay. That's where I'm coming to. So before where you're at now. So I'm talking about, the, at this time, I'm, I got this cloud of shame, shame hanging over my head, right? And I feel some sense of freedom because, hey, I'm not having to obey this this really kind of st narrow, straight and narrow path, religious path, and give up two years of my prime years of my life, right, 19 to 21, when most guys are out there meeting girls and partying and going to university or maybe starting a business or something like this, um, that two years of sacrifice. And so that was... That was one conflict I had. Like, I don't get that test. That test doesn't seem to make sense to me. That test just seems to be a test which is going to have me stick with the Mormon path. Right. But how do you explain that a Catholic would feel different, that a, you know, 
So that was a rational thing. And so what happened is one day, and okay, so another thing that I was grappling with was this issue of consciousness. Like, we have this awareness of self that um, is difficult to understand if you've always been grown up in a religious whatever. Like, right. in, in the world I grew up in, God had his hand in everything. If something happens, it's God's will. If this blade of grass is growing, you know, everything. And miracles, you can pray for a miracle. And, mm -hmm. like, it's a very... Mm, not so ruled by science world. And, and not all Mormons have this framework, but this is the framework I grew up in. And uh, so the, the thing was, like, how do you, you explain this, this self-consciousness and this ability to think and create and like all this and we're different than the other animals? And I think this is one of the things that my roommate brought up. He's like, yeah, but you look at an ant, right? on the floor and it's it's going about its work and it's making decisions and it's you know and it's tiny and it's got this sense of direction and and some level of consciousness and whatever and that was that was really interesting to me like if like for example what is the difference between us and an ant and uh how you know this very real sense that like I'm me I'm not you I'm me anyway, that was I don't know how well I'm describing that conflict, but that was in, that was a that was one, and then another one was, um, and this was more a conflict of, like if I go on the mission, and I spend two years, essentially selling people into the church and converting them to this church, when I come back, I'm going to be really sold on it. Because I'm going to be selling it every day for two years, bearing my testimony, all these things. And I'm going to feel really bad if I leave then, because I'm going to be so far down along this Mormon path. And here I've converted people to the church, and then look, then I'm going to leave. Right. And I'm going to feel, even if I decide it's, it's wrong later, well, I've converted people to something that's not true. And so, and I'm not sure if it's true, but I could see that clearly if I go to this mission training center for a few months, and I get this really heavy kind of training, and then I go for two years knocking on doors and all this, that's going to sell me into it. I was clear on that. And so those are kind of my three yeah. big So you see topics. the, you see the, what your father is asking, you say, well, that's almost like, I first accept this way of, this perspective, and then I ask myself, that doesn't seem to make sense. You have these ideas of consciousness, and how is it different? with ants and me and you have this if I go down this path two more years and then it's going to be really I'm going to feel really shame and okay but what I'm asked what I asked before and I think it's important is th this these are inquiries you have down the path and it's a path that's already not anymore fully into the into the religion you're already stepped and I'm assuming it didn't come from meeting the atheist or whatever that some things happened before that made you already like question and like everything that was real. Well, when I was, so at that time I'm 20. Yes. Six years earlier, uh -huh. my mom's taking me to my friend's house for the weekend. Uh -huh. And just before dropping me off and it's a rainy night and you can't see very far and I'm sitting in the passenger seat. She's like, I can tell she's kind of like 
bit nervous or like the her voice is shaking a bit and and um so what she's gonna tell me is like really serious she's like your father has left and he won't be coming back he won't be coming home and i'm like 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 it's like hearing that like the world is really run by lizard people or something i mean it's like right. what what like it's that's not even possible in my reality what we're like we're like the most kind of upstanding righteous <coughs> mormon family that i know of you know we are i mean reading and memorizing scripture family prayers every day personal prayers like three times a day family home evening every monday night four hours of church on sunday wednesday night like scouting stuff and saturday same thing and like it's all the whole everything you're present you're the story of the Mormon people and our ancestors and they're all Mormon and we're all on this path and Christ is coming back and we got two years of food storage preparing like everything my whole reality is this Mormon story and all of a sudden it's like you know scratch the record and it's like what so that's where six years earlier that you started going on a, a, a different path yeah so for the much of the last six years I've not been going to church um, I've been, uh, going astray in some different ways, drinking beer with the buddies, you know, all, all sorts of things. I'm just laughing at some of the stories I could tell, but, um, so, but, but now I'm like, I'm 20 and it's been like, it's been at least a few months, if not a year that if I was a righteous Mormon boy, I would have gone on my mission already. And I had friends who, like, they'd already gone and stuff like this. And I'm not going, you know. And from my whole story, the guys who don't, like, the guys who choose the path of unrighteousness, I was never going to be one of these guys, you know. And this is a key decision point in my life. 19 and you do this. Okay, you don't go to church for, you know, whatever. Right. But... This decision is a big decision, and it's going to carve out my whole future. I'll forever be either an RM, a return missionary, which means great wealth. You come back having served your two-year mission, you have your pick of the, the young women in the church. You know, You are esteemed by all the older men. You're esteemed by everyone. It's like this path of like you get all the blessings, really. Versus, I got on this other path, and I'm going to be one of those guys I looked down on my entire life, who's not powerful, who is uh, sinning against God, who's just enjoying these short-term fruits of, of, of man's world, and living in sin, and yeah, so it's, a, it's like, this is a crisis moment, mm -hmm. you know, and every day it's kind of building. And so finally, one day, I realized like I'm a, I'm I'm not thinking clearly, and I and I and I and I need to face this head on, kind of. And I said, I'm gonna write down my thoughts, and I was I was scared to do this because mm. to write so clearly is like to write these sinful, doubtful thoughts, even just thinking about another possibility. In my world, to me, was very risky. So. Hours go by, and I'm just like, I'm, 
Every thought that comes up, I'm writing it down and I'm questioning all these directions and, I'm, and I can read my thoughts and I can see my reasoning. And finally, after hours, I was like, and I'm swallowing now even thinking about it. It's like, I can't say that I believe in Mormonism. I can't say that I'm Mormon in that way. Like I'm not a, I'm not a believer. I don't know. I'm not saying it's not true. But I can say yes. clearly that I'm not that agnostic, <laughs> and I and I, I don't know why, but I I just felt like I have to face God with this, you know. So it, by this point, you know, I'm the only one in the apartment all day. At this point, the sun's gone down. I go into the kitchen. I turn on the light. I stand under the light. You know, God's up there, right? in the direction of up right you know and I look up and I'm and I'm and I'm like all right I'm gonna just say it out loud and this to me it takes a lot of courage and I just say it something to the effect of knowing what I know now or whatever something like this I'm not a believer in the Mormon church or I don't believe the church is true something like this and um, not that I believe it's not, but just I, I'm not, I can't say I'm Mormon. And then, you know, this was a stand. And this is, you, you know my work a bit. Vision happens after the stand. And all of a sudden, and this all comes directly from my personal experience. All of a sudden, I'm like, I'm trying to imagine a world where the Mormon church is not true. Because I've never really, I've, I've thought about it a little bit that day. Reasoning about it and stuff. But until I made that stand, in it was like I was a different guy in a different world, and I was like, I'm trying to imagine this other world, and 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 I'm thinking, okay, well, whoa, am I, am I Christian, you know? And I thought about it, and I'm still standing there, and I'm like, fuck, by the same reasoning, because I'm like, I'm just gonna follow my own guidance, my own reasoning. Being fully honest with myself, just, and so I, then I said that, I can't say I'm Christian. I, I, yeah, I don't know if it's true. I can't say that. And then the next thought hits me, because I'm trying to figure out what kind of world am I living in? Who am I? It's like, do I believe in God? And I was like, now I'm like fucking on the edge of like, I'd, I'd never been this much on the edge of anything before. And then by the same time, I'm this is funny because I'm, I'm talking to God, you know. <laughs> don't even know if he exists. I'm following the same reasoning. It's just like, I don't know. But it was a stand that I even said that to me in the face of this all-powerful, all-knowing being who can cast me away to hell for all eternity or bring shit on my path in life or bless me or save me or, you know. So... And then I'm like, I'm trying to imagine what might the world be like if God's not this all-powerful force in the world. And I'm, and I'm just trying to imagine it. And, I'm, and I remember having this, I'm like looking out the window at this point. And, I, and, I, and I'm trying to imagine that world. And I notice I'm squinting like I can't see out the window. And so I go and turn off the light. And then I can see, and it's like this huge metaphor for me. 
as I was trying to look out, but all I was seeing was a reflection of the what I knew, the kitchen, the world I knew. That's all I trying to look out, but I couldn't see out until I turned off the light. And I was just like, whoa. And I was like, I want to go explore this world. So I go and open the door and I start walking down the street and there's like no cars or anything. And, and I, and the birds are still singing and it's a little bit surprising and it's totally beautiful. You know, I see the stars in the sky, you know, and, and it's like, it's not, I'm like, I'm in a whole new planet, you know, and it's beautiful. And I'm imagining that there's not even a God. And I'm like, I, I'm in awe. I can't believe it. And it's whatever. And, uh, and I, I get, I come to the end of the road and then I, like, I notice I've got that warm feeling in my heart that my Ted talked about, you know, and this was a real puzzle because it's supposed to be like if you. <laughs> it's supposed to be the Holy Spirit. It's supposed to give confirmation that the church is true. And I've just questioned the church and Jesus and God Himself. And I'm feeling this feeling. And so I became super curious about this. And like my kind of my life is on hold for the next several years because I'm fascinated by well, well if the Mormon church isn't true, then what is? What is the truth? And what is my mission if it's not this mo very clear Mormon mission? And uh, and that's, this becomes like a, tr a, a, an amazing journey that I go on. And what I came to distinguish over time is that this feeling comes, and I started really like paying attention to this feeling and following it. But I noticed that the feeling comes when I make a stand myself or my people or my values in the face of mm. fear or whatever is there for me to face. And so um, the facing, yes, it's about courage, but it's also about honesty. So like I, I just go on this kick, like in my, in my, like self-honesty is just giving me so much strength, honor, peace, power, clarity. Like I just want to face everything. And, uh, yeah, so that's kind of like the beginning of my honor work is this very personal experience that given my old paradigm, my old ex, my Mormon explanations for the world, it doesn't, it doesn't fit. And, uh, that led to me developing the work and yeah, and, and I'm, uh, yeah, so What's interesting to me is, in the whole story, is that an external force pushes you into crisis very early on when you're 14. Yeah. Like something completely outside of you mm -hmm. pushes you like, what? Mm -hmm. And you start, the, the, the whole thing where you're born into shows cracks now. Yes. And the cracks grow bigger over time. And it's from... From those cracks that you start asking questions, you know, and it's in asking the questions, you know, that you, you, you discover new ways, you know, and then the real crucial point after years of like asking questions is when you really go down the rabbit hole of those questions, you know, and you, you write them down and then you make a stand, 
even though you didn't know at the time what it was. But you made a stand. And the stand is one that's driven by facing everything, you know, and 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 following that inner guidance. Yes. And uh, and because of that stand. In that moment, what I was doing was being loyal to myself. Yes. To my own guidance, coming into integrity, saying yes to my own thoughts. Because what else am I going to guide myself by? Just some external, right. someone says this. So in a way, it was very self and life affirming. And I feel like honor is just a natural human. Yes. That's the feedback that you get when you're coming back to alignment with your own inner guidance. Well, that's the last element of it that to me is very interesting is that you then see that that feeling used to be before the Holy Spirit. You could still have it outside the religion. And that's where you draw the strength from to go further. Yes. You know? Now it's way easier. Yes. Now it's easy because... If you're wishy-washy in the past six years and doubts because it's, it comes with shame and questioning and you don't. But if you see now that because of that stand, you have the same feeling that you would have if you're completely in, in the religion. So you can even more maybe, you know. Now you have the strength. Now when you feel that, you go, okay, now I'm not dependent on the religion to have yes. that. And, and, and I have it even more. And the, 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 the thing that informs it is self-guidance, is, that, is an inner voice, yes. not, an, not an external authority. So now you have all this power to keep exploring. And, it's, and, and mastery as well, like through years and years and years, not just with myself, but working with people, for, to them to restore their honor, which is not, a, it not, for me, it's not a concept. It's an experience, it's a feeling that guides them. It's right. It's a return of their heart-based authority, if you will. That's one way of describing it. But uh, when people reclaim their honor, like a lot of people, they just burst into tears, you know? And it's just like the biggest yes of their whole being to themselves, you know? Um, you can use words like self-love or, or whatever, but it's just like I've, I've, I've answered, like my body has been, my heart, my everything has been screaming Wake up, look at how you're betraying yourself. Wake up, wake up, wake up. And for years, you don't, you don't, you don't. And then finally you do, and your whole body just says, thank you, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and weeps, you know, and uh, rejoices, you know. So, uh, it, and to me, you know, honor is, it's a dangerous force for, for good. Because you then have the power to enter these realms where the external authorities have said, it's wrong if you go here. It's wrong if you think these thoughts. It's wrong if you make this stand. And you then feel power to go even alone. You know, even if it's me standing alone, you, you have the honor, you have the inner mm, authority to, to go forward. And uh, so... But for me, I, you know, I grew up with an experience of this feeling and then I went years largely without this feeling. And then it, I, I reclaimed it. It came back, you know, and then like I hung on to it and I learned about it and I studied it. But I think about uh, a lot of guys today who've maybe never had this deep sense, profound sense of honor, this inner authority. Yes. And... They don't know what it is. Mm -hmm. They have no relationship to it, let alone being able to bring it back when it's gone or notice it when it's gone. Like a lot of guys out there, I think, 
They can tell when they're suffering and then when the suffering is reduced or goes away. It's, and that's what they're trying to do is they're trying to just, let me just get back to not suffering, right? Or to what you could call happiness, which is I'm in a state of mind where everything's going good. I, I have a good life. But you might not have honor. And it's the next, it's a whole next level mm. of good feeling, inner yes, inner authority, power, clarity. Is the challenge then this, that, for example, that you need an external force to start having cracks, you know, and break free, and it took another six years for you to be discovering the power of, say, honor. And just to be clear, for those years, I was not discovering. I was not facing the question. Exactly. I was kind of just, oh, I'm, I kind of have license now to run around and do whatever the hell I right. want. Things that might have been sinful behavior before, or not righteous behavior, whatever. I was kind of just enjoying being free. Let me not think about that. But then it was this crisis moment when I, like all my life, I've been thinking I'm going on a mission. You know, maybe I'll maybe I'll have some years of running around, but like, I know what a good son of God does. Goes on a mission, mm -hmm. makes this grand sacrifice for his people, or for for God, or for you know the church, and. uh so let's come back to this young man that we were talking about as we began this call. Tony. Um, Tony. And uh, just not his real name, but we'll call him Tony. So he hears me invite him to adventure in Brazil. And he's so, he's so excited, so lit up by it, you know. Yeah, and I can just go be free. But like he's conflicted about this, what might happen with his relationship with his parents. And some of them still wants to go anyway. I'll just be free of it. Maybe I'll never go back. You know, which is kind of like a, a running away. And I entirely agree with this guy that he talked to, that he respects, who said, you'll just be running away unless you face your father. And my version of this, you know, that's the way to do it. You face, like I faced God, you go on, go on that adventure, go wholeheartedly, which means go with honor. And so, uh, and to do that, I'm not saying that he would have to face his father, but if he does, there's more, much more honor that he can he can go with. And uh, but but if he's never had this experience of inner authority for himself, which he might not, because in his world, if he's grown up with its external authorities right. guiding my life this whole time, honor only comes when you see yourself at choice. And you have, you're clear, I am facing it all, and I'm making a stand, I'm taking full responsibility. That's where the honor comes from. And that, that's, a, in my experience, a lot, of, a lot of guys, they even have, when I ask, you know, how are you feeling? They have no training in it. Yes. I don't know. Yes. So, so. Don't even know what they're feeling. They don't know what they're feeling, let alone that they can describe honor. Yes. You know, or this inner. And even more fucked up about their situation is you know they don't have a word for it like we don't have a word for it in english honor is not used very rarely on occasion you can find someone describing what they feel as honor but you really have to search we just don't use it like that i've been using it like that the past 20 years but and, and so there's there's definitely some amount of people out there using it like that and spreading it a bit but uh so you know the 
the Eskimos, I was told, have like, I don't know, something like 20 or 80, some big number of words for snow to distinguish this kind from this kind. And it's important to know what kind you're about to walk on of life or death or to be able to guide yourself in that reality. The Greeks had seven for love, you know. Mm. So we don't have a... And to not be able to name honor. And I can show tons of clips, all kinds of people, and they're trying to put words on this feeling. And it's very clear to me the, the feeling that they're talking about. And if, if Jordan Peterson's one of them, you can see him in tears and he's feeling honor. Like, I know what it is. And it's, it's interesting. Like, like a lot of guys, especially, I think even more than, than women, a lot of times, they'll see someone in tears and they'll instantly project onto them as weakness. As, oh, he's, uh, he's feeling like a victim. He's just uh, emoting sadness, sadness and, and powerlessness right. and uh, whatever. Um, but I think the most powerful feeling that you can feel in the world is honor. And it's so overwhelming, it also brings the tears. Beauty is one too, man. I'm telling you. Mm. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. I, I told you earlier this morning, too, this may be a side note, but in Dutch and in German, I see it too. You get eergevoel, eergevoel, which is, if you translate it, Honor feeling or sense of honor. Sense of honor. And uh, yes. yeah, that's interesting to me. Yes. And in English, like you might say, I have a sense of honor, but you might still not distinguish it as a feeling. Yeah. So, um, but I, I, it's interesting you say beauty because definitely when you represent honor, it is like you have just brought beauty to your whole inner world and being and, right. and life. So there's definitely a connection there. You know, but I have had moments, Secretness. I, like there's one in mo morning in Thailand in particular, like six in the morning and I'm, and I'm in this small city in, in Northern Thailand and I'm, I'm walking down the street and I see these monks and they're barefoot and they're dressed in orange and, and everyone's going around and they're, they're giving their, their food to the monks and this act of also bowing and gifting, there's honor in this, right? So there's, there is a component of honor there. But you also see the temples, again, something sacred that that is there to honor, to hold sacred. That everything was like so beautiful. And then I, go, I went um, and I'm walking down this one part of the, this might have been like after I went for a run, I then went for a walk, I don't remember. But I at some point, like I, I turned around and I looked up and I saw the orange sun that had risen above the, the temples and the buildings and stuff. I started crying. I had no idea why, you know, but I would connect that to the beauty of what you said. You know? mm. I can't say I've had that many experiences of it, but I, I know I had that one, you know, and uh, it's, and I, I, you know, I think many guys, they notice, you can notice if you're starting to feel something strongly and then move away from it. I've definitely had my share of those. Like I'm about to feel something that's, that could overwhelm me, you know, and we're afraid of losing control or, or whatever. So we move away from that profoundly spiritual experience or a feeling of honor even, you know, to receive honor to, to have someone honor you is uncomfortable because mm. you start feeling this feeling, you know, and it's, it can be really intense, but it can be a great source of power and, and inner authority. And, and if you learn the, the martial art that, that I would say goes along with it, I describe the honor work as a martial art for the human mind and spirit. Um, man, it's so, 
so incredibly powerful mm. not to just be able to navigate your own circumstances in life and conflicts. I mean, we have, we but have, but to, but to bring it forward for others. Right. I mean, I've been pushing you to bring out the work because I've had small, small glimpses of it. And even that was very powerful. I remember the moment in, in making a stand that I see how important it is for me to be able to provide for the women in my life. And I never thought of it, you know, like, wow, you know, I really have a profound sense of that. Yeah. Or uh, when you help me get past my judgment of Zan and honor him, you know, just the moment to see it and feel that is so, yeah, it's, it's overwhelming and, and invigorating. Yeah. And it's just, it's very, very strong force, you know? And, and when you don't have the honor, it's kind of like you can't see a way forward. No. And it's as if your soul is looking for a way forward, a way with honor, a pathway with honor and peace. It's because you know you're suffering. You, you want to get out. And it's, you know, so the, so the, the, the war, the battles are very much an inner, it's an inner thing. And for coming back to this young man, let's call him Tony. Um, you know, you and I were talking the other day on some podcasts that we did. And we were quoting a guy who, who had a, a quote about this, that whatever, what every man needs and longs for is um, a beauty to rescue, a war to fight, or a battle to fight, and an adventure to live. And then there's another quote that kind of goes along with it, and it's like, and warriors to fight alongside you and have your back. Um, and this, like, so relates to my whole reality yeah. of what, you know, how I kind of built the honor workout. But I think it's just, these are needs. Yes. These are, these are... Um, Very spiritual, deep needs. Yes. Once we have food and, and shelter. Yes. Know. And so... Anthony's much more conflicted if he's about to take off to Brazil, leaving his honor behind, right? Like there's still, it doesn't feel quite right to leave. And honor is very much that feeling of this is right. So he's conflicted about that. And it's what I would call an honor, an honor conflict. It's not just an inner conflict, you, it's an honor conflict, an, an honor okay, crisis. Okay, uh, question. Would you say that's the, the, the conflict in him, that he can't go until he faces say his father and can go with honor or is he and maybe it's both or is he feeling the pool of comfort and image you know the, the society's pool into what's normal to do and and he's making excuses not to answer the call of honor well if he has no relationship to honor in the first place, it might not, it might not even occur to him that that's what's at risk here. Right. And so he might simply be looking to do what he wants to do and preserve his image and comfort while doing it. Right. But if he does it like that, he won't gain his honor. Since it, this is something that my inner conflict diagram really mm. illuminates. And, and, and so, and, and you get, <clears throat> it's, uh, yeah, it makes, the, because a lot of our choices are unconscious, you know, for six years between when my dad left home and almost immediately I started going out with my buddies and drinking and whatever, to that point when I'm 20, I'm making all these choices in my life and I, I'm not, I'm not thinking of them that clearly. 
In fact, it's almost like I just want to do stuff and not think about it, right? And I, and I very, I'm not even thinking that maybe I don't have the power of the Holy Spirit guiding me or I don't, I don't feel good about it or like, it's still, it's still like, it's, you can live in this world of unconsciousness and I call it like being asleep, right? Which is, which is, we have this way of just, you know, we have this inner conflict between say, here's this one value that I, that I have, I feel is right. And here's this other one that they're opposed to each other. And, uh, we have this way of, of settling that unconsciously and automatically that gets us back to comfort, but, oh, but again and again and again, steals our honor, depletes our honor and our, and our power, our, our inner authority. And, uh, and we might not even be awake to it. Not, not even, probably don't even realize it. And so part of the challenge is if guys haven't experienced having this authority, they don't even know what's being given right. up. They don't even know what's being So involved. they think they think it's they think it's I'm not attractive to girls, or I don't know what message I should send, or uh, I would like to travel, but I don't I don't have the means to do it, and try to find like they have these real issues they're thinking about, but what they're not facing is an inner conflict. That's, that's, that of which all those questions are just symptoms. Is that and a the, good way of saying it? And the inner conflict is actually what is guiding them. <clears throat> What's guiding them is to be conflicted inside of our consciousness is to have stress because it's like you're divided against yourself. This or this, am I the guy that said I would run in the morning yesterday or the guy that feels like sleeping today? And so, and that is stressful to be divided against yourself. Um, and the more that you entertain it, go back and forth, the more stressful it gets. Um, so we've learned ways of just quickly compromising and then rationalizing to make it okay. And the rationalizations begin to form a whole belief system, a whole way of viewing ourselves and the world to make it easy to not live a courageous life of facing everything, to not live a warrior existence, but to essentially sleepwalk through life. And you and I have had the conversation about knowing versus being awake. There's plenty of people who like, you can watch this documentary or you can read this thing and think, I'm awake and these other people are asleep. It, that's very, not how I would use it. That's an easy way of having a kind of ego advantage and then going back to sleep. Right. right? So, so the only way of getting a guy's attention for this, of the inner conflict that they have not been facing, and maybe they should be facing, is to show, I'm thinking now, that the way they've been doing things is not getting them the results that they really want. Or in relationships, like you say, it's making things worse. Well, I would, I would almost never say the two, th the two, two ways that you kind of put that. The one is that um, the only way to do it is this, and another is that they should be doing this. Um, because the, the only way, the more you understand about how honor works, you realize there's a lot of ways. Right, like, or really any uh, problem and solution, like there's myriad ways to, uh, let's say, use the tool or to get it to, to work. But, and then, um, if I'm coming from a place of should, 
that's generally not an invitation into honor. That's a that's bringing judgment. And then if the guys who should be doing this, if they do what I say they should do, generally what they're doing is just trying to avoid judgment and coming back to a sense of peace and comfort of not having my judgment. So that doesn't invite them onto a path of honor, right? So um, all this stuff is really subtle, right? But it's it's uh, there's a there's a whole art here. There's a whole martial art that can have guys living, growing with a greater and greater sense of authority and honor uh, as a guide in their life. So if we come back to Tony, right? So he's conflicted. Do I do I stay? at school in the US and where I feel like my dad's running everything I don't necessarily really choosing to be here it's kind of like I have to be here so there's no honor in that and there's no adventure either but if I go to Brazil man at least I'll have adventure right and he's not even probably thinking about honor as a as something to to get back or to have for the first time or to keep um and this other man that he got this advice from was telling him that he was speaking to him about responsibility and being a man and that, you know, as a man, you have to, a lot of responsibilities about doing things that you don't feel like doing. And I can very much see, like, if this is a man he looks up to and respects, who's a courageous man, um, and he's speaking about the Anthony, the path forward for him is to face what he doesn't want to face, that's, that's the difficult thing of taking responsibility and stand for being a man, he's in, in a way inviting him to honor, right? But um, what I told Anthony last, what I, what I told Tony last night, <laughs> what I told Tony last night was that um, if his option of, if what he's thinking about doing is staying in a school environment that is no call to adventure or honor. And getting a job, putting on a uniform, working as a cashier in an environment that gives him no sense of adventure and no call to honor. Then uh, I said, be really wary of that, you know? And, and it's, and I say that it's the elder's responsibility to give the young men a call to both honor and adventure as a beautiful invitation into responsibility, not a sense of you should also become a slave to this honorless and adventureless society or system like I did. Can you see how alive I'm not? Well, this is what you should do. It's like, <laughs> can you see how alive I'm not? Well, this is what you should do. <laughs> we love you. Don't disappoint us. We, uh, um, it's like, it's like working that, job or whatever is he, what you're trying to point is he's at a turning point and he's working could very well even if you think it's temporary could very well push you down the rabbit hole of the existing system way longer like you would go two years on on uh, on your mission you know yeah it's have that effect without the honor yes it's very much uh, a crisis it, it's it's a very critical point in a young man's life the years I would say between say 12 or especially 14 and let's say 21 um, when he's beginning to, to individuate himself and think about like, like, okay, I have 
intelligence to make these choices for my own life. I have, I'm, I'm big, I'm strong, like I can, I can do this, but I'm dependent on authority. It's his way of navigating those conflicts with authority, external and internal, that are going to start giving him feedback on who he is as a man and who he's not as a man. And then those conclusions that he makes about himself and the world will then start guiding him for the rest of his life. <coughs> so it's really dangerous if what he learns is to compromise and to... It comes up with a bunch of excuses why he has to also be down for a path of suffering instead of living a great adventure yes. and a call to honor. It's it's a very critical moment, and it's why, like... It's worse than religion. When I, I've told you this story about my youngest brother several times, but when I found out that all the feedback by the adults in his world he was getting at 17, 16, 17, was that he's a bad kid, you know? And, and I, like, I'd known my brother and his heart and his intelligence, and I was like, you know... John, get out of there. Come live with me. You have what it takes. You'll be fine. You know, School or no school, don't stay in an environment that's giving you that feedback to yourself. And, uh, and then I gave him an, a, a call to adventure, which is entrepreneurship, you know, in, a, in a very beautiful, glorious, empowering way. And, uh, and to honor as well. Like it's a great challenge you know, to face this and stand for being this. You know. And so, um, and I, I think that's like, to the extent that the older men in our world are not walking a path of honor for themselves and, and living life as a grand adventure. And it's, it, you can still be working a job or be married and have a family. But if you're not constantly choosing this adventure and choosing a path with honor, by your being, you are a very shitty invitation to young men to take on responsibility and you can tell them to take on responsibility and they'll look at you and say and this is what I get no thank you I'll stay home and play video games where at least I have a sense of being this this character on a grand adventure saving my people honor and adventure right in the video game because so I because I can't find it out in the real world because I haven't been invited to it by by my elders And so uh, I think it's a, it's a huge ball that's dropped by, by a lot of older men in our culture. And, um, there's, and, and this, isn't about a sh this isn't a should thing. It also is a reflection of our own society that, that things have happened this way. And there's an opportunity for older men to become elders, to become men who really take responsibility for themselves to live this... Uh, grand, courageous call to adventure and honor, and then be the invitation to that to the younger men, first of all. Forget what you have to say. They're going to look at who you are first. So first be it, and then and then speak it. But uh, And to the younger men who don't have those older men, the, here's, here's the beauty worth rescuing. It's your sacred honor. Your sacred honor is worth fighting for and rescuing sacred brotherhood, elders, a path of honor, a, a people worth fighting for, worth sacrificing for, a life with adventure. Like these are the beauties to go rescue mm -hmm. first, you know? And it's a grand adventure to go back and get them. And to, and to navigate this adventure, to succeed in this adventure, you'll need some skills. And I, I would love to teach you some skills that will help you navigate the conflicts mm -hmm the battles that you'll have to face on this journey 
to reclaim powerful inner authority and honor, brotherhood, elders, be a hero for your people. Thank you. All of this. Real romance. Yes, <laughs> yes, all of that. So this is what I'm offering with my Ronin work. I'm not sure what I'm going to call it, or the websites or whatever. I'm thinking of like Ronin Dojo, Ronin Academy, these sorts of things. But I, as a matter of like, for me, like, I feel like honor is a, a gift that I've been given. It's not like, it's not created by me. It's very much something that has been given to me that I've uncovered over time, that I've distinguished as I've tried to hunt for it in my own life and, and develop mastery of it. You find technologies to tap into it. Yes. And there are others as well, like, you know, um, there's very much these things I'm speaking to, honor, brotherhood, whatever, in, inside of like a, a religion that really calls to you. Um, and they might have different names for some of these things. But especially if you're not called by a religion, you know, many times you go to a church and you can see men who have, like they've really become docile and domesticated and they're not like, like, like Jesus was a warrior, you know? Standing up in the face of all authority in his time. Walking to the temple, throwing things aside. I mean, but like what you often see in modern day churches is versions of men that are, they've really been tamed to be good, obedient, nice guys who go along with the, the bureaucratic corporate structure of a lot of these big religions and to fit nicely inside. And to not dare to tap, tap so deeply into their own inner authority that they might come in conflict with the, even the religious authorities. Mm -hmm. So, um, if, like, like, if you have this sense of honor and this call to adventure and everything inside of your church, like, like some guys, they, they go and they start their own missions or, or uh, ministries is what they call it. And they feel called to go to Africa and... and and, and, and their whole mission is about feeding people in Africa or starting wells. And, and it's also, they share the gospel there. And it's, it's a call to adventure and it's a call to honor. And I think it's great, you know? Like if that's what calls you, fucking go do it. And it's so much better to be living that regardless of the truth or falsehood of any one paradigm. Right. And to be living that as an example for young men is, is crazy. So I said this, the, the, the religion of, of conformity or the religion of, of compromise the religion of comfort and image, you know, yes. that's a way worse religion than any other there out there, you know, yes. and, and it's the one that we've been born into. And know? what you'll never get there is like salvation what you, and righteousness in the sense of like all is right in the world. What you'll get at best is comfort right. and, and, a, and a kind of blissful denial of uh, your own self-betrayal. And right. betrayal everything most important to you. Um, You'll get all the medicine and drugs to deal with the denial of your possibilities, but you won't get to the root of the problem. Yeah, and you won't, you won't claim real inner authority. And, and it's not just inner authority. People, unless, you know, in this time of the pandemic with coronavirus and um, the economic potential collapse that's coming, um, people tend not to trust those who don't have a really strong sense of self-trust, of inner authority, 
honor, having honor and this surety in your stand in your path is a, is a great way to be trusted by others and become a leader and, and, and lead your people, even and especially if that's like through service. But, um, so it's a grand invitation to, to, to men and not just, you know, and I invite the older men as well. Um, yeah, if you want to be great for your girlfriends or your wives or your sons, you know, your family, your brothers, your, your brothers, your tribe, your community, your humanity, for your ancestors, for your future generations, mm. for even for your heavenly father and, and however you see the world. Um, it's very, you know, the way I view honor in, in, the, in the work, it's, uh, it's, it's independent of your belief system. So you can reclaim your honor and become masterful with, with honor and in, in your inner conflicts and conflicts with others, um, regardless of your, what team you're playing for, let's say. Mm -hmm. So. It's been great. I'll leave one thing left. One last call to the young men. Don't settle for a path and, ex and, and rationalize it that's not calling you to grand adventure and calling you to honor. And if you don't have that, go find it. Go find a, a, an older man or a, a, a tribe or a group that gives you the invitation that speaks to your soul, a call to adventure and a call to honor. Start there because once, once you have that inner like, yes, I'm in alignment. I am. I am. I'm doing my part as a man. That's when you can really grow, and you may choose a different path in the future or whatever. But I would say start there. And and if this call speaks to you, connect with us. Connect with me. Connect with the uh, the Ronin work and tribe I'm going to offer. And if you want it in your path with women, you want to walk in the world with your relations with women. And I, and I know for myself, like when I left the church, everything having to do with shame and nudity and like dating, everything was kind of shameful. I had no path of honor in the world of women. Um, and it's been a grand battle to just... Mm -hmm discover my own way of honor in the world of women. And um, yeah, Hans, that's the work that you do. And that's also work we do together. It's uh, that too itself is, is, a, is an invitation to grand adventure. You know, whatever it is that you're looking for, a wife, a great girlfriend, um, to go travel and explore, date beautiful women in foreign lands, you know, whatever it is, um, you can go on that journey with honor and the women will love you for it if you can bring honor to your interactions. So yeah, that's also an invitation. Mm. And Hans, they can find you at HansKomain.com. Yes. Yes. These are our words. <laughs>